0: RPC Radio
1: Hello and welcome to Taxing Matters Your one-stop audio shop for all things tax Brought to you by RPC My name is Alice Kemp And I will be your guide as we explore the sometimes hostile and ever-changing landscape that is the world of tax law and tax disputes. Taxing Matters brings you a fortnightly roadmap to guide you and your business through this labyrinth. In case any of you miss any crucial information or just want some bedtime reading, there is a full transcript of this and indeed every episode of Taxing Matters on our website at www.rpc.co.uk forward slash taxingmatters. Many of you who have watched crime drama, I have often been attracted to the idea of investigations. Like many more of you, I have also received incredible reports from investigators who set out clear and compelling narratives, answering the follow the money type questions. And I've always wondered what happens behind the scenes. Here to give us an insight to lift that veil is Phoebe Waters. Phoebe is an investigator, asset tracing specialist, and the chair of the Female Fraud Forum. She is also a champion of women in the industry. Part of today's 35 Under 35, she's an incredible voice for both females entering into traditionally male-dominated arenas and also for her passion for investigations. So Phoebe, welcome to Taxi Matters. Hello, Alice. Thank you so much for having me. Diving right in. What exactly does
0: an investigator do? Investigators can support clients with a huge range of matters, from litigation and arbitration support, dispute resolution, anti-corruption fraud cases, enhanced due diligence, and asset tracing and recovery exercises. Although I have done and continue to work on a variety of matters, I specialize in the latter, the asset tracing and recovery, I enjoy particularly ones that are complex and international. But my sweet spot that is tracing against sovereign states and high net worth individuals. An asset trace is the process by which investigators follow the money. What that means is we locate items of value owned by individuals or companies. The assets aren't just the sexy options, such as extremely valuable property or yachts but can range from shares to LNG imports to air rights above a city hotel. What's really important about understanding asset tracing and recovery exercises is the value of them isn't just defined by their financial worth, but importantly, value to the client or value to the disruption that they can cause. Because if we think about the ultimate objective, what we want is settlement. In terms of what investigators do in order to start an asset trace, we set a wide aperture for narrowing the detail. We try and collect information from online. We look at search terms, jurisdictions, the volume of information that is out there. Look at a subject's lifestyle, look about the operations. And we cover up all of the details with the exam question in mind, which is, where are the assets and can the assets be recovered and enforced against? We use the phrase follow the money because if there is a fraud, for example, we need to visualise a trajectory in two directions. What we do is to help assess pre proceedings, the cost benefits of proceeding against a subject, character or sovereign states. But also if the litigation or arbitration is already underway, we as investigators can provide invaluable intelligence to ensure the client achieves a commercially favorable outcome although it's a bit cheesy to say that investigators have a particular set of skills um, (laughs) and it's quite true because the combination of our character and personalities you know whether you've got a baby investigator or an investigator coming through as an analyst because that instinct is there that hunger is there that character combined with an adeptness at searching for primary sources corporate litigation and property records being able to communicate effectively with subcontractors on the ground who provide intelligence and conducting interviews ourselves of people who can provide value. That's what makes us investigators at the clients and council.
1: So when and how do investigators add value to the matter? I think as with every
0: service and in every industry, the key for an investigator is to be able to provide value to our clients. My clients are predominantly disputes teams in law firms, large corporates and litigation funders. So I think firstly, it's important to understand our clients and sufficiently define what the exam question is. Be more than just helpers in the background or on the sidelines, but actually be their advisors, be uh, their partners in a way, and ensure that communication is always regular and effective. In terms of how we can add value, investigators can support clients, select counsel, establish ultimate beneficial ownership, gather strategic intelligence, which I just mentioned from human source inquiries, which are always confidential, sensitive, but also transparent, evaluate witnesses, retrieve primary source documentation, complete background checks. Then more specifically for asset tracing and recovery exercises, we as investigators would be able to help the lawyers on the team understand how disruption can be caused from an operational, financial, commercial, personal or political point of view because those disruptive elements could potentially help leverage or encourage settlement. We would look at evidence, understand close associates, family, intermediary companies. Then we would also be able to support counsel, whether that's arbitration counsel or enforcement counsel, understand whether the jurisdictions that the assets are in are enforcement friendly, How likely is it that we'll be able to succeed in this jurisdiction? How many are there? How do the assets in terms of ownership jump from one jurisdiction to the other? We also, in terms of sovereign states, will be able to support counsel, understand sovereign immunity. Now, I'm not saying we do the lawyer's job. But we can gather the intelligence to help them apply those tests to the commercial purpose tests. Understands whether a sovereign owns an entity or an asset for commercial purposes, as opposed to diplomatic purposes. We'll go and identify intelligence that can help banzek factors they're the principles for whether an instrumentality and the state are sufficiently connected in order to enforce and go after those assets. In terms of when, the answer depends, of course, on the matter, where the case is being heard, if there's a crisis, etc. But the key thing is to say that investigators should be brought on as soon as possible once the client has discovered there's a problem. I mentioned we can help assess pre-litigation, the costs, benefits and risks of conducting an investigation or an asset tracing exercise. Depending on when we're instructed, there's a varying angle to the value that we can bring. That's not to say we can't bring value at any and every point, but if litigation or arbitration is already underway... We can then provide intelligence to ensure that client still has a commercially favourable outcome. It provides counsel with proof of assets and valuations, plus information that could pressurise the subject. That may be enough to force settlement. I think in terms of a big asset trace, though, it's key to conduct the assessment as soon as possible at the beginning. Because why would someone want to spend so much money and time to go through that process beforehand when actually all the assets might have been dissipated, obfuscated? And of course, there are ways of hunting those down still, but they may have also been spent.
1: Speaking of our traditional image from crime dramas, it's usually of male investigators. So how have you found dealing with both that preconception and being in a traditionally male-dominated field? I love that question, Alice. It's very, very
0: true. And I grew up on James Bond. I wasn't the sister who liked the rom-coms. I loved 007, Indiana Jones. I totally agree. There is a preconception and being a blonde, young female coming into the London industry after my master's, that was quite tricky. So there have definitely been challenges that I have faced as a woman. At times I have been underestimated, unsupported and, and sexualized in a sector. Having said that, these issues by no means are unique to me and not just because I am female or well, in fact I'm a female investigator. As we both know, the issues are common and experienced by a plethora of women across jurisdictions, sectors, ages and experiences. One of the key issues, in my opinion, is that some people see our gender before our skill and that therefore results in stereotypes and untrue judgments. I've dealt with both difficult men and women, so I would continue to encourage that whatever gender one is, that it's key to support each other as people, as professionals, and as steps of peers. It's important to note that people everywhere on the gender spectrum support each other. In terms of how I've overcome some of these challenges, I focus on staying centred to my own values. These are curiosity, confidence, and kindness and I remain unwilling to compromise because I'm a woman. Even if I'm not feeling it on the inside, I try to exude steadfast confidence to combat the challenges of either not being supported enough or being underestimated. In this male-dominated field, I would love to see more women feel like they can own every aspect of their femininity and not have to not be themselves. My mum sent me a card a few years ago, which I've framed since, which says, be who you were born to be and you will set the world on fire. This resonated with me Very cheesily, I have tended to read it over a few times, leaving my apartment before an exam or an interview or a big presentation. Moving on to the female fraud forum, which is hugely important to me. Being in a traditionally male-dominated field, it's so important to have the female fraud forum, which is a satellite of brilliant and bold women. These females are truly incredible, both professionally and personally. And I'm so lucky to have been part of it for a few years now. The FFF is a wonderful multidisciplinary organisation in our industry that comprises barristers, listers, investigators, forensic accountants and any other practitioner in the civil and criminal fraud sector that you can imagine. It's very much trumping that image, the spooks in the suits, all male, for about a decade, Now, the FFF has been around. It was originally created by a group of women in chambers, but it's really gained traction the last few months, particularly as a result of people coming out of lockdown, wanting to return to the city with a lot of mingling. Recently, the forum has been doing phenomenally well, which is down to our amazing members. We're attracting more and more people, and our committee and community continues to strive to help women towards attaining those ever high realms of professional growth, which, as we know, is a key in the male-dominated field. We have events most months, including networking breakfasts, socials and educationals. And as you introduced me, I was so honoured to have been voted in as the forum's chair a couple of months ago, having been membership secretary. What's really wonderful is that in the FFF there are such good friends, friends and allies. We just have each other's backs, which is so so significant going back to your original question about how I find working within a male-dominated society the FF society has been a tremendous boost a support a focus and an outlet not only for me but for everyone in there I think the last thing to say about the male-dominated field is it's so crucial not to underestimate the power of your own imagination imagination is very very powerful And I'm not suggesting that as women, we don't have to work harder or smarter on a matter or on a case in order to get promoted. it's not a quick fix just to believe. But what I'm saying is that to have creativity and to have that fervor and to try and wriggle out of that mold that society puts us in. I think to trust yourself and importantly, to trust your own fantasies
1: is important. Great. Well, unfortunately, that is all we have time for in this week's episode. Thank you again, Phoebe, for joining us. You can find Phoebe Waters on her LinkedIn and you can also contact her directly on LinkedIn if you are interested in joining or participating in any way in the Female Fraud Forum. If you have any questions for me or for Phoebe or any topics you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please do contact us on matters at rpc.co.uk. We'd love to hear from you. RPC would like to thank podcast manager Josh McDonald. Original score was composed and produced by Insider Music, who also produced this podcast series. To hear a full, uninterrupted version of our podcast theme, go to Instagram at Insider Music and follow the link in bio. And of course, a big thank you to all of our listeners for joining us. If you like Taxing Matters, why not try RPC's other podcast offering, Insurance Covered, which looks at the inner workings of the insurance industry hosted by the brilliant Peter Mansfield and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and our website. If you like this episode, please do take a moment to rate, review and subscribe and remember to tell a colleague about us. Thank you for listening and talk to you again in two weeks.